Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Shelf Logic podcast. My name is Jennifer. My name is Paige. And my name is Sally. And today we are talking about history. So, Paige, this was kind of your idea. What are we talking about today? Yes, so today we're going to be discussing historical figures that we think deserve a TV or movie that do not have one yet. And we're kind of more talking about American film. They might have something more international. I know mine does. But we're talking about the Hollywood treatment. For your person? Yeah. So sort of like what, what we would do for like... Like how Hamilton became a musical, like just taking something yeah, more yeah. obscure and making it fancy. Or Lincoln. Yes, or Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> Maybe not Lincoln. Maybe but not. Yeah. Lincoln's the, yeah. Lincoln's the epitome of not what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, it's where he has like nine different versions of, yeah. of his life. Yeah. We want not that. Yes, yes. Well deserved though, Lincoln. Good for you. <laughs> okay, so I will start us off. Yes. I will be talking about Alexander Dumas. Now, a little bit backstory on who this is, just in case not everybody is familiar with him. I like this one because it's kind of library themed. He is is an author. He is uh, a French classical novelist. So in the 19th century, he was super popular. He wrote probably the most popular today, The Count of Monte Cristo, mm. The Three Musketeers, uh, The Man in the Iron Mask. But those were not just his published works. So those are just more of the ones that have come into our time period and have kept their popularity, we might say. But he is also has been credited with writing 100 plays slash novels so oh, wow. he has yeah a huge i was gonna say filmography but i don't know what the novel <laughs> version is <laughs> i should know that anyway but he is very very cool i think i don't know how else to describe <laughs> it but to give you a little bit background on who he is alexander dumas he is of mixed heritage so his grandfather was a white marquis and his mother was a haitian slave oh, okay. uh, so at the time it was really interesting because when his father went back to France, he didn't originally take his son with him. Mm. He sold him off to slavery. Oh, wow. Yeah. But then when he turned 14, he, I don't, and I'm not sure what the reason was, but he decided to bring him back and raise him in nobility. And because he's a jerk, he didn't bring the mother. <laughs> that's, that's the tragic side of the, his Alexander Dumas' father. Um, but his... And I, I, I have a hard time because I, I love the father, but I also love Alexander Dumas. Mm. So um, later when I get to kind of the pitch of what the movie should be, I, I have a little bit of a, a cheat code, essentially. But <laughs> to get into his father, his father was raised in nobility, joined the military, was not able to join as an officer, even though he was considered noble in society, uh, because of his mixed heritage. Mm. So he started as just a very low soldier, and he worked his way up to a lieutenant general, which is uh, the second or third, sources vary, but the second or third in the army. So he made, not only became an officer, but he became a renowned officer. The Count of Monte Cristo is kind of based off of his father. A oh, lot of okay. people think that's the case. Anyway, so yes, I love that background. He has this mixed heritage. We have this individual who has this rich history to him and is almost kind of a contradiction, at least to our worldview right now, where we think to ourselves, black people didn't exist in this noble society. Right, right. But not only was you know Alexander Dumas' father in this society, but he himself 
was very popular in his time period. Um, he was so successful with from his novels that he built a chateau just outside of Paris, and he named it <laughs> he named it after his book, which is the Chateau de Monte Cristo. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yes, I think you can still visit it today. Add it to the bucket list. As <laughs> yes. So he was well received, but he still faced a little bit of discrimination. So it was kind of this juxtaposition in that he was very popular, everybody loved his works, but he was still looked down on because of his mixed heritage. Wow. And then, let me just go into more of the fun side of it, um, he was really good friends with Victor Hugo, which makes sense, they were both, you know, popular novelists mm. at the time. They were both part of the Club de Pachichon, which is a group that met up and smoked hash oh. <laughs> in Paris. Oh, I like him much more. <laughs> yes. He definitely was not a stick in the mud. So they you know, were part of this exclusive, I don't know how exclusive this club was. Maybe it was just everybody and their friend were joining up. But they also actually went into exile together when Napoleon III took over. So they kind of hung out in Belgium together while they were kind of waiting for things to, I don't know, die down or... <laughs> them to be more uh, popular again. And then they're actually buried in the same mausoleum. So yeah, there's this very cool picture where you can see these three coffins um, and it's Alexander Dumas and then to the left of him is Victor Hugo. Oh, that's very cool. Yes. So, uh, I mean, they they had their ups and downs, but Mm. overall, I think... Rose into the afterlife. Exactly. I think if you get buried together, (laughs) you're pals. You're pretty cool. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Um, and then also, he was a little bit of a ladies' man, right? He only married once, but he had, on average, it's said that he had about 40 mistress- mistresses wow. in his life. Yes. Uh, and as far as we know, these are the ones that he recognized. He had four children, all Ill- illegitimate, but he recognized them, brought them into society. And one of his sons actually became a playwright and a very successful oh, as well. very cool. Yeah. Obviously, he named him after himself, Alexander Dumas. Oh my goodness. But yeah, so I just, you know, I just think he's kind of a cool dude. Uh, He has a little, he has a little bit of both. He has kind of the tragic backstory that you can play into. He has Mm. the fun side of it. So you have a lot of different avenues that you can go. I mean, you can go more fun and based in Paris society, I think, Mm. or you can just be more serious. I would love a side by side of Alexander Dumont while he's writing The Count of Monte Cristo mixed in with his father's story a little bit. I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but his father died when he was three, so we oh. didn't really know him at all. Oh my yeah. God. His father died of stomach cancer, and like his family had a hard time getting his military pension mm-hmm. because of who he was, which is ridiculous, because if he was... I was you're, like, you're, you put the work in, you might as well get... Yeah. It. yeah. You're, this is a lieutenant general. You're telling me that you're going to give his family grief for right. that? Right. Uh, so he, he was raised in poverty, came out of it through his novels, through his work, and then went back right into it. can't remember what the reason was for that. I think it had something to do with, I don't know, the French Revolution. Uh, there was <laughs> for, a lot going on. Yeah, there was a ton going on in France during the time. For it not being like an American person, he, this is a very American story. It, I, I think that would sell well here, like for an audience. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They would, a ton of, yeah, there's that Come for the Bottom story is very popular. Yes. yes. It reminds me a little bit of Billie Holiday's story. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. And the yeah. fact that even even though she's this really talented, undeniably successful black woman, because she's black, 
she's not she has to you know sneak into the back room of jazz clubs that Mm -hmm. she's performing in and it feels very similar in this way where he's so undeniably successful and talented Mm -hmm. but there's these roadblocks just because of his uh, ethnicity yes i think you're absolutely right i didn't even recognize it before but it is kind of a modern i mean i guess things don't change a lot i mean Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hopefully they're changing yeah But I love the thought of this black individual in the 19th century because we don't get very many stories from before, you know, the civil rights, the civil war, which is very American of Mm. us, uh, but that they existed and they were striving and they were working and being successful, you know, throughout all time. Right. And I think that we just kind of always narrow our focus to those very specific recognized events that we have in American history. I just love bringing in those historical figures that are prominent and that we can learn from. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think one of the things, too, with, with um, Alexander Dumont is you're going to get a different perspective. Yeah. And an and experience to, um, or a chance to see a different culture on screen also. Mm-hmm. Especially since you see this so American centralized in TV anyway. Yes. So. Yeah. Well, and like I said, it's, it lends itself, if you want to be a little bit more saucy with it you can be saucy you can hype up the mistress aspect. oh yeah absolutely <laughs> or the hash club and the yeah. hash club yeah, that would be a funny just sequence <laughs> could you like imagine a cool guy yeah. yeah like a pineapple express movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alexander Dumont. Like, I, mean, I love that <laughs> it would totally or you could go more of the sophisticated which i think he very is much sophisticated mm-hmm. so maybe we start with the sophisticated and then we get the uh, yeah the we stoner, see him as a man yeah. the stoner yeah uh, yeah stoner guy. <laughs> The stoner guy. Yes. Stoner anyway, so that is my fellow. One great resource that I used for it uh, is the book The Black Count, which is obviously why I'm so obsessed with his father, because this is The Black Count, Glory, Revolution, Betrayal, and the Real Count of Monte Cristo. And that's by Tom Riss. And that's available through us virtually, it, physically? It is. It's available virtual and physical. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very, very fun book. It's got an amazing cover, um, almost like a Napoleon type figure, but it's Thomas Alexander Dumont. You're just like, what? Yeah. Who is this striking fellow? That's awesome. I have a small crush. <laughs> I love it. Okay, well, that is Alexander Dumas. All right. Sally, what do you have for us? Well, I am very excited to share a historical figure who I think is absolutely fascinating. I first discovered her uh, story actually through a picture book that we have here at the library available, which I'll talk about a little bit later. But this, and you're going to have to forgive me for the pronunciations because this is a Chinese lady and I am not great at (laughs) pronouncing Chinese names and words, so I do apologize in advance. This person has a lot of different names, so I'll kind of try and touch (laughs) on them. Um, She's known as uh, Zheng Yi Sao. Um, she's also known as Ching Shi. She's also known as Madam Ching. Um, there's a few different names that she goes by. But basically, this was uh, a woman who lived from the years 1775 to 1844. So a couple few years ago, um, to say the least. <laughs> um, and the reason I am so fascinated with her, and I think her story is so incredible, is because she was born um, into poverty. She had very humble beginnings. Um, she may have actually worked as a prostitute for a few years in mm. her younger years. Oh, wow. Um, but then, at the age of 26, she was married to a really famous and successful pirate. 
I know oh, who this is. Yes. I was I was yes. thinking I might. And then yeah, as soon as you said pirate, I was like, oh, of course. Um, and his name is Zhang Yi. I hopefully pronounced that somewhat correctly. They got married uh, when uh, when Zhang Yi Sao, which means wife of Zhang Yi, because that's where we were at um, in terms of gender relations in the 1800s. But uh, they were married, um, and very soon after that, he actually died. And so after his death, this absolute powerhouse of a woman decided she's going to take control of his pirate confederacy, <laughs> takes over his fleet, decides to marry his adopted son. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> and together they rule the South China Sea for about a decade uh, during the golden age of piracy. She monitored a fleet, I suppose, of about 400 junks. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's a type of Chinese sailing ship. It's those beautiful ships that have the sort of mm, Yes, I, I visualize that. So she had about 400 of those and about four between 40 and 60 thousand pirates wow she was overseeing a boss lady hugely successful pirate um she entered conflicts with many major powers over her time such as the east east india company we know Um, that one yes oh yes pirates of the caribbean yes absolutely (laughs) yes she strikes again she also got into conflicts with the portuguese empire and china itself oh wow (laughs) she just fully was going after everybody it seems natural you're right off the china and there you're you know a pirate yes might as well married your son (laughs) yeah I, I'm interested in that aspect. Like, you got to hire on a really good-looking guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently, uh, Zhang Bao was hotter than Huckabee. <laughs> because when her first husband died, he was next. He was next. <laughs> do we know how old the first husband was when um, he died? I do not know. I do not know. It was just a few years after they got married, like very quite soon after they got married, actually. She's a foul play, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I would never. Uh, I would never say that. <laughs> I know she's dead, I would never but imply that about I don't. Women. I don't. I don't want her coming back and doing she's something. A woman. <laughs> she's amazing. That's awesome. Do you envision this as a show, a movie, a musical? Um, I mean, I'm thinking. I mean, we invoked Pirates of the Caribbean. Let's not let's not go budget here. She's in Pirates of the Caribbean at some point. The in the third oh, one. Third or fourth one, yeah. She makes a cute little appearance. Yeah. I noted that I know she's she makes a brief appearance in a Doctor Who episode as well. <laughs> Amazing. As a pirate queen, but apparently she makes a cute little cameo in Pirates of the Caribbean. I want her to be the main. She yes. needs to be the main. Yes. She awesome. has main character energy she for sure. I, I want her in her full um, Pirates of the Caribbean experience. Yeah, and that is, she she actually has a really interesting later life where, <laughs> um, quite hilariously, um, when she decided that she was done with her pirating lifestyle, she negotiated with Chinese authorities to basically allow her and her husband's son to uh, return to China without any um, legal ramifications at all, and they would also keep a large section of their fleet as well. So they keep the, kept their ridges, kept their pirate wow. ships, no legal repercussions at all, and she lived a peaceful and prosperous life until her death. It's uh, amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Age. <laughs> yeah. Good for her. Mm. So she just she just won. <laughs> she just won. Um, I did want to say that if you are interested in learning a little bit more about her, I discovered her story from the book that we have in the county collection called Pirate Queen, A Story of 
Zheng Yi Sao by Helene Becker. It is a picture book, but it's a really fun, beautifully illustrated picture book that gives you a really good overview of her life and story. I'm curious. I mean, that has so much, honestly, that has so much potential for a good movies or TV show. I mean, I'm leaning TV show. I'm leaning TV, like a, like a mini series, like an HBO, HBO, nine, yeah. It has nine to be episode, HBO. Yeah. Gritty. <laughs> yeah, gritty. Yeah, you can get all the violence Maybe in. I, I might not be able to watch it, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it deserves that. Yes, she deserves yes. that, for I sure. Violet, I want to see her with the sword, like, slicing into people, like, uh, uh. Yes. Her and her son-husband. Her and her son-husband. Her and her husband-husband. I can't imagine the first husband had to be a lot older. I don't know. I, I'm curious about ages, but... <laughs> I, and if anything, you can exaggerate that in a film or movie. Just make him an old man and then be like, yes. this is my well, very we, sexy son. There, that goes again in that we recognize that storyline. Yes, yeah. Game of Thrones and House of Dragon. That's all it does on HBO. That's that's exactly what it is. Yeah. You know, it's first time for money, second time for love. <laughs> I mean, she got her fleet. She locked down that first husband's, you know, dowry. Yeah, and then rocked out to their old age. She ages. got hers, and then she got the hottie on the second marriage. That's, that's, a, awesome. that's a pretty good contingency plan right there. And she's living every woman's dream. <laughs> <laughs> so for mine, I'm also doing someone who's also known as a pirate. So I'm doing... Oh um, my goodness, I didn't even know we had a theme. We have pirate <laughs> themes this, this this evening. This evening? This afternoon? Yes. So we're doing... Uh, so my person is John Paul Jones. Uh, and I, I first heard of him on um, the YouTube channel Oversimplified, which does segments of like history discussions, so Civil War, um, World War II, American Revolution, that kind of thing. And in his... The person who does Oversimplified, in their explanation of John Paul Jones, I'm just going to give you exactly what he said. Uh, John Paul Jones is... Handsome, John Paul Jones is Scottish, and John Paul Jones is absolutely insane. Hey! <laughs> so, John Paul Jones was a was born in uh, 17... I have it here... Uh, yeah, July 6, 1747, as a, and he was a naval captain for the United States during the Revolutionary War. Mm. He is widely known, uh, very popular within the, the U.S. Navy as the father of the American Navy. So he was in charge of most of the, the battles versus Britain during the, the revolution. And also known to pillage, plunder, steal, and win by any means necessary. So awesome. he, his whole engagement during the Revolutionary War was to sort of go in and sneak onto different British ships and then sink them from the inside. So, so it would be like him, his ship versus five ships, and then they would send buoys out with the other uh, other ones, sneak on board, blow everything up, and then come back to his ship. And they would yes. do that during the entire cycle of the war. Or after the Revolutionary War, he ended up uh, working for the Russian um, Navy, was a imperial commander for them for a long time, then defected to France, where he was an imperial commander for them for a long time, was buried in France with the instructions to the people burying him, leave insignias of the U.S. stuff in case they want to claim me because I'm a part of their history. Then in, in 1905, um, a U.S. ambassador uh, to Fred's Horace Porter was like uh, was like obsessed with, with uh, John Paul Jones. He was like, I'm going to go get him from France and bring him home. Mm. So he spent maybe four or five years trying to figure out where he was buried, trying to get him exhumed, uh, did a whole process of... Uh, lifting up people he thought was him and then doing DNA or, or seeing how he was identified saying, well, this is not them, rebury them and look for other people. Oh and then um, they finally were able to find his, his remains and identify that it was him. They exhumed him, gave him full honor guard, and then was he's been buried at, at the Annapolis um, Naval Academy. So he has he's entombed there. You can see his like sarcophagus and everything where you can walk by, take pictures of it, and see everything going on with him. Um, very, a very, um, I would say, not... 
moral man. So, like, I, he's I, an anti. He, yes, maybe not even that. He might oh. be a villain. Yeah. Ooh. Where it, I'm not sort of justifying saying that this is a good man. There's a lot of like mm. sexual promiscuity and sexual issues that maybe devious to show on TV necessarily, <laughs> or not something you want to advertise like as an American hero, which is probably why we haven't we waited so long to get him exhumed. But it's a very interesting story. Yes, yeah. this sort of gritty guy who pushed his way into the, into the military, took over everything, and was like, please bury me back at home. So that's why, yeah. yeah. Well, and I kind of love that aspect where he's just like, no, 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 I do know who I am. I want, I'm an American. Bring yeah. Me, bring me, bring my body back. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, uh, sorry, quote Harry Potter. <laughs> me and my sister quote that line all the time. So I do apologize. No, no, it's fine. Um, yes. I and Well, and I think that, I think we romanticize are beginning a little bit more. Yeah, we do, for sure. And the men, for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously you have people like George Washington where he doesn't even need romanticizing. He was kind of that guy that we all expect him to be. Right. But I think a lot of the other people that are surrounding this, I mean, they you don't win a war by playing nice. Right, right, A lot of the right. times. Um, a lot of these people are murderers, thieves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a good, great point. Yeah. <laughs> So I do like that aspect where it's just like, oh, no, 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 this is legitimately who this guy was. Yeah. <laughs> I will say when you first told me, you know, John Paul Jones, I might watch too much reality TV because I thought <laughs> you were talking about a bachelor. Who <laughs> 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 was also very handsome. Yeah, he's very handsome. Could yes. be considered slightly crazy. Because <laughs> he's Scottish too. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish. <laughs> uh, he's a character. But yeah, he that I think it's perfect because it's like, oh, I love... I love those characters. He's not necessarily a bad guy, but... Yeah. Not necessarily we, a good guy, not necessarily a good, uh, bad guy, but an interesting story. I think that's actually more in high demand. I mean, you get... Right now, what's popular is these kind of nobody's a hero type of yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah. The anti-hero, the vigilante. The vigilante, yeah. yeah. I mean, you could even say that you're, you're a pirate queen. Oh, for sure. She was stealing from all over the place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's a thief. <laughs> Very much, very much on trend, I would say. Gaslight? What would you want? Would you want, like, what time frame would you want for him? So most of his activity that is, like, history documented is when he's in his late 20s, early 30s. Nice. And that's all through, or even, I think, mid-20s, like, all through the revolutionary period. And then afterwards, it's it's more sort of refined. I'm a a naval man. Yeah. But all the cool stuff is during the revolutionary (laughs) war. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it it would have to be within that, within that however long four year period however long the yeah within that but within that period yeah you could almost also do a comedy where it's like um flashbacks where you have the oh a nice and refined gentleman and then it's just him going crazy in his yeah. twenties. Yeah. <laughs> How he managed to get Yes, yes. <laughs> it was refined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even get to the point where it's like we're trying to find his body and we're digging up. Oh all yeah, that would absolutely I see it as a comedy. I mean I think it has to be right. <laughs> yeah, digging up all these bodies and go, Nope, that's not him. Put him back. Put him back. Put him back in the ground. <laughs> That's Next. awesome. And I've never heard of him before, so I learned something today. Yeah. Okay. Well, for our last one, I have one more, just because obviously this was my idea and I can't seem to stop myself from <laughs> going too deep. But um, I have a little American treasure, Alice Roosevelt Longworth. I call her a little, but to be honest, she was very popular through her whole life. I think I would just associate her with her teens, but she was kind of a prominent figure. She was so prominent that she had the nickname of the second Washington Monument. 
So Alice Roosevelt Longworth, um, I'll just call her Alice Roosevelt for the time being, mm -hmm. just because I'm kind of focusing more on the teen aspects, which is when she was Alice Roosevelt. Uh, she was kind of the original wild child, especially for White House wild child. And she was like the perfect age to be this rebellious person. She was 17. Her father, Teddy Roosevelt, was quoted as saying, I can be president of the United States or I can attend to Alice. I cannot possibly do both. Oh, wow. Um, I love that. Yes. Uh, so she was super rebellious, super um, stubborn, you might say. Another fun story about President Roosevelt uh, is that he forbade her from, he caught her smoking mm. cigarettes. And he famously said that, you know, you're not allowed to smoke cigarettes under my roof. And she would then climb up to the White House roof <laughs> and smoke cigarettes. <laughs> Yeah, so she had this kind of like wittiness. I mean, I wouldn't say that she was necessarily the greatest role model, but sometimes you just need that fun, yeah, fun person to watch. Anyway, so, so, so a little bit about her. She loved to wear pants. She would place bets with bookies. Uh, and this was all while her dad was in the White House. She would race cars around town, sometimes with boys. Um, and then also she was known for keeping a garter snake in her pocket named Emily Spinach. Um, and she would just pull him out at parties. And she said that she named the pet such because it was as green as spinach and as thin as my aunt Emily. Oh. So <laughs> that's where Emily Spinach came from. She was very popular with the public, so she had the nickname Princess Alice. And the White House staff had to hire on an extra secretary just to handle all the mail that was coming in wow. for her. Which was really funny. I love she, that for her. Yeah, she comes from this <laughs> rather big family. She's not the only one in there, but I think she just stood out to the American public. Uh, and she would go to all types of parties. I mean, she was once uh, noted as attending 407 dinners, 300 parties, and 350 private balls in a 15-month time wow. period. Wow. What? Yeah. And I'm sitting there doing the math, and I'm just like, that's like, you didn't eat at home once. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, no, sitting in front of the TV, it's, pardon me, sitting in front of the radio. Yeah, right. <laughs> just enjoying your, you know, dinner. Nah, I could never. Um, and I'm tired just after work. I can't even imagine. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I guess she didn't work, so maybe that <laughs> true, helped out. <laughs> true, Yes. Um, yes. And so, also, she was very much a prankster and very much a, like, very witty with her words. But some of the pranks that she pulled, uh, she would place, this is when she was not a teen, but a little bit older. Because, like I said, she was in the Washington zeitgeist for years and years until her death, essentially. Mm. And so she, one time she placed a little tack on the chair in the uh, Capitol's gallery of the House of Representatives. Mm -hmm. And then so when somebody sat down and like popped back up, she couldn't stop laughing, essentially. <laughs> 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 and um, she was, so she was banned from the White House by Teddy Roosevelt's successor. So William Taft banned her from the White House because she buried a voodoo doll that looks like his wife <gasps> on the lawn. <laughs> wow. <laughs> She's so fun. <laughs> yes. And then she was banned again from the White House uh, when Woodrow Wilson was in office because she told a dirty joke about him in public. So, yeah, she has two White House bans. She's so fun. Yes. Um, and she was quoted as saying that a Hoover vacuum was more exciting than President Hoover. <laughs> which maybe is true. I don't know him personally, but... Sounds hilarious. And one of her more famous quotes was, um, if you haven't got anything good to say about anybody, come sit next to me. Oh. 
Yes. I love her. Yeah. Yes, mom. Yes. Not only was that her well-known phrase, but she had it stitched on a pillow. So great. (laughs) She knew what she was working with. She's like, this is money. Uh, And then also, uh, last thing that I want to know, I mean, she she was, I want to say controversial, but she was just a mainstay of the political aspect in Washington. And like, it didn't matter matter what side, they all loved her, essentially, just because of how witty she was. I wouldn't say loved. Admired her, maybe. is the better word for it. President Nixon called her the most interesting conversationalist of the age, and that no one, no matter how famous, could ever outshine her. And then on the other side, Jimmy Carter wrote that she had style, she had grace, and she had a sense of humor that kept generations of political newcomers to Washington wondering which was worse, to be skewered by her wit or be ignored by her. Wow. Ooh. I don't know. That that Jimmy Carter quote is like, yeah, very nice. (laughs) Anyway, so I just think, like I said, she has a wide range, so you could focus on her life as a whole, but I just love the idea of like a teenage Alice... You know, Roosevelt uh, in the White House. Of course. And then you need sort of, like, popular now, or since we were talking about things that are popular, uh, young rebellious women are are huge on television. Oh, absolutely. And it's important to see that, too, especially since you're, you don't want to fall too much into the the tropey female characters when you're showing something. And this is a perfect example of that. Yes, yes. And I think she has depth as well. Because to be honest, when I was researching her, Sometimes she went too far, especially with her family. Right. She was notoriously known for kind of being too sharp sometimes with some of her step-siblings. Her stepmom did not like her mm. at all, which I guess kind of makes sense when you're the stepmom and you can come in and you have this daughter, this stepdaughter that is uncontrollable. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel for the stepmom. But yeah, so I think there's this one quote, I don't, I don't have it right, written down, but one of her step-siblings was just kind of like, she was brutal at times. Well, and she had this very tragic background. Her mom didn't die in childbirth, but died two days after she was born due to kidney failure. So you kind of associate it with her birth, essentially. She never knew her mom. Uh, and so she kind of has that baggage, which I think might lend itself to some of her tendencies in some mm-hmm. ways. Uh, but I also just love that you know we have the chance to have Teddy Roosevelt <laughs> in something <laughs> because he's his own character. And obviously he gets more attention, but I think she is the main focus. And then you if you do like a TV comedy with Teddy Roosevelt on the side being, you know, Teddy Roosevelt right, essentially. Right. Golden, like perfect. You could even do because the Roosevelts are sort of like the Kennedys in that way, where they have yeah. this sort of historian family. Everybody knows about the family. Mm-hmm. More, uh, all the brothers or cousins are also in politics. So you could do like like a series like the Crown version. Oh, yeah, true. but of this, like where you have central episodes on different eras of their life. Mm-hmm. So just even a season on Alice would be so good. I am glad you bring that up too because obviously we have. Teddy Roosevelt's family, but then we also have FDR and Eleanor Roosevelt, Mm -hmm. and Eleanor and her notoriously did not get along, which I just love, I would love to see that as well. Actually, I have a book here. One of my resources is called Hissing Cousins. Ooh. Yeah. (laughs) Hissing Cousins, the untold story of Eleanor Roosevelt and Alice Roosevelt Longworth uh, by Mark Heiser, and that's available in our catalog as well. Hint, hint. Um, <laughs> but I love because they're both very witty. They're both very smart, and so I do kind of love that idea of almost. A, I don't know if you guys have seen Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I I love the idea of kind of that Downton Abbey spin where it's like cousin Isabel and Maggie Smith's character, the grandma, going at it in mm. some ways, and they both have good points, and you can sometimes side with this person and sometimes side with this person. I just love that witty witty banter. In I love that a too. Good way. So, yeah, I think you're right. An ensemble cast, yeah. an ensemble Roosevelt cast, 
spot on. I don't know. I'm thinking like full like goofy sitcom. Yeah, you want to do like Real Housewives of um, um, White House? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Alice, <laughs> like, like a Friends. Yeah, like hey. <laughs> We're thinking again. <laughs> That's what I want. Not under my roof. Yeah. Okay. Okay then. But it cuts to her. Oh, <laughs> I would love that too. That'd be funny. I also, I also neglected to give my my references oh, for, the, for the John Paul Jones. So I'm just gonna do that real quick. This is also available um, via Overdrive, all um, uh, electronic. So we have John Paul Jones, um, Father of the American Navy, by Brenda Hagen, which is gonna be our main resource for all of this. Awesome. So if you're interested in learning about John Paul Jones, that's a reference that you can use. I should mention also, I like the aspect of doing the naval because we never focus on naval when it comes to American. Not revolution. really at all. Yeah. It's, it's mostly ground wars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 I totally forget they're even the <laughs> sea, sea base. Seems like the naval side of it is really interesting. Yeah. Sneaking on ships. Sneaking on the ships and blowing up. Yeah. Yeah. That is gnarly, really, man. That is, like, picturing the practicality of, like, scaling the side of a wet boat. Yeah. And then sneaking onto a, the, like, uh, the flag of the ship. Yeah. 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 And with all these people on it and not being seen, just crawling up and being like, hey guys, I was here. <laughs> crawling up. I know. That's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's kind of like, I, I do this thing whenever I play like a capture the flag where mm. I just try to pretend that I'm on the other side. They're <laughs> <laughs> just standing in their huddle going, what's going on? Hey. You guys, I bet you guys didn't know I got that from John Paul Jones. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. And if you guys have any historical figures that maybe you think needed a TV show or a movie, drop us a line. We're going to put a Facebook post on our Queen Creek branch. So check that out. We'd love to get a discussion going just because I think we need to give some Hollywood some ideas. I think Absolutely. They're, they're completely lacking. There's too many Lincoln documentaries. <laughs> too many Lincoln documentaries. We need other things. So this, is the, this has been the Shelf Logic Podcast. I'm Jennifer. I'm Paige. And I'm Sally. And we'll see you guys next time. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.